Good morning, everybody. We've, uh, we've got a few different faces uh, this morning that are, are actually, I guess it's faces that are some missing this morning because right now, headed down the mountain are about 40 of our youth and leaders coming back from summer camp. And so that's awesome. They've, we've gotten great reports back. In fact, I saw some pictures and they were covered in color. Like they, you know, like they do those color runs where they have the colored powder that they throw. Well, our kids were covered in colored powder. It looked awesome. It looked like they had so much fun. Though so we've been hearing some great testimonies also about God breaking through into kids' lives in some pretty awesome ways. So if you're picking up one of those youth today, uh, last I heard they were in Laverne and they're on their way back. So they probably be here uh, about the time that we finish this morning. So also, uh, John and Kim are, are on vacation this week. They thought, you know what, we better get in one last little uh, vacation before the right size transition hits and it gets crazy around here. So, um, so I'll tell you who is here though this morning. Here this morning is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to open the word together and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Let's, uh, let's open in a word of prayer this morning. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to come and to receive from you. Lord, I thank you for dynamic worship and just encountering you. Lord, I pray now that as we open your word, Lord, you would challenge us and convict us. That, Lord, you would move us to new places and maybe even places we haven't been willing to go or, or aren't comfortable with. So, Lord God, we give you this time and we pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was with you a couple weeks ago and we got to take a look at one of my favorite stories, which is uh, Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. And this week we're going to look at another story, another encounter that Jesus had. This time it's found in Mark chapter 10. So if you have a Bible or an electronic device, you can pull that out and make your way to Mark chapter 10 so that you can follow along. Mark chapter 10 describes uh, one of the things in there is this encounter that Jesus has with a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. And we're going to take a look at his story and his encounter with Jesus. And we'll read through that and then we'll kind of break that down together. So, uh, you know, I love these simple stories. These, these stories of, of simple people, common people, flawed people that encountered Jesus and experienced a touch of the divine, a touch of the miraculous in their life. Because I, I identify with that. Simple, flawed, normal, common people like us here today that get to encounter Jesus and be transformed by his power. So let's take a look at this story and then we'll... Uh, We'll extract some some key points out of it. So starting there in verse 46 of Mark chapter 10, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. 
But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Asked, uh, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What an amazing encounter that this guy had with Jesus. Blind from birth, begging on the side of the street, he encounters Jesus and is miraculously healed. He wanted his, his eyesight. That's what he went to Jesus expecting his eyesight to be healed. And he received that. But in the process, as we'll discover, he received a lot more than that. As we encounter Jesus, we receive and we get to experience the fullness of what he has to offer. So let me begin by asking you that question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus. What is it that you would like me to do for you? Jesus would ask us that question. So what do you want Jesus to do for you? How would you answer that question? If you were standing face to face with Jesus and he asked you that question, what would you, how would you answer? What do, what do you want Jesus to do for you? I don't know if you might come with your laundry list of items of things that you want, desires, stuff. Maybe you would, uh, maybe you'd ask for the winning lotto numbers. I don't know. Hey, you could do a lot of good with, uh, with some, some money, right? I don't know. Or maybe you would shoot a little bit higher. Maybe you'd ask for world peace or to, to end hunger, global hunger. Or, or maybe you'd want wisdom and, and insight into God's word. Like, hey, Jesus, describe for me what Genesis, what, what creation was like. What, how did that go down? What was that like? I don't know. We could, we could ask for all different kinds of things. What would you ask him for? What would you ask Jesus for? Well, Bartimaeus got that opportunity firsthand, in person. But guess what? We get that opportunity. Because Jesus wants to encounter us every day. We don't always realize that because we get caught up in the busyness of life. We get caught up in all kinds of things. Even when we come to church and we get caught up in church and we lose sight of the fact that Jesus simply wants to come and encounter you and say, what would you like? What do you need? How can I intersect your life? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you. That means God's spirit dwells inside of you as a believer. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to uh, be in a holy place or have a, somebody that's holy pray for you. You have access all the time to, to engage with Jesus. Now obviously we come and we celebrate and we worship together and there's, there's power in community. But access to him encountering him is something that you have the opportunity to to have happen in your life all the time 
Well, Bartimaeus had this experience. And, and so this morning, I would like to, and just as Bartimaeus had this encounter and had to answer that question, I would like to recommend to you, I'd like to give you some suggestions of some things that might be worthwhile to ask Jesus for from the story of Bartimaeus and what he experienced. So he kind of lives this out, and, and, and we, we're going to see some things from his life. So the first thing here, what do you want from Jesus? How about his blindness? Oh, well, that sounds really exciting, right? His blindness? Like, what are you talking about? I thought Bartimaeus was going to ask for healing, so he didn't have blindness. So what, what do I mean by that? Let me explain. Have you ever been blindfolded? Anybody ever been blindfolded? Now, I'm not talking about the kind of blindfold where you could still peek outside the corner, you know. I know some of you, I know some of you are guilty. You, you inch it up a little bit so you can still see your feet and see where you're going. I'm talking about total darkness. You know, our, um, our first year of uh, running United, which was our discipleship school for young adults here at New Hope, um, we did a retreat up at the station camp in Mammoth. And so, you know, this is meeting each other, getting to know each other. So we're, I planned some team building activities. So one of these was we're going to pair off into twos. One of the person, one of the partners is going to be blindfolded. And the other partner has to guide them through an obstacle course. Sounds like a good team building exercise, right? Take some communication. You got you to gotta direct the person and take some trust. There's a bond there with your, with your partner. It did not go so well. Apparently, my obstacle course was maybe a little bit too extreme. I had them going over fences and up rock faces, and I had them going over bridges that didn't have uh, handrails, so one false move, and it was, it was trouble. So anyway, they get about halfway through the course, and it was mutiny. They're like, we're done. They're, you know, the, the blindfolded uh, person, they were, they were bruised. They, uh, they were all beaten up. The communication was not happening, so they're starting to fight with their partner. I'm like, this is a total backfire right now. This is not working. But, you know, we don't like giving up control. We don't want to be vulnerable. And when, you're, when it's lights out, I mean, it's vulnerable. You can't see where you're going. You don't know anything. You have to trust the direction of other people. And sometimes you feel, in that case, it was the reality. Sometimes you feel like you're in some real danger. Sometimes you feel like this may not happen quite like I want it to. And that's difficult for us. No one likes to be blindfolded. It, it, but, but it has some good benefits as well. And here's what I mean by that. It makes us sensitive, doesn't it? All of a sudden, instead of taking things for granted, now you're feeling your way through. You're slowing down to make sure your footing is secure. It makes us sensitive. It makes us tune into things. It gives us a different perspective of what's around us. So we no longer can function at the speed of light and miss a bunch of stuff. It helps us to tune in to, to what the world around us. We can, be, um, we can be blinded so easily by things. In fact, listen to this. We can be blinded from the truth by the world. Or we can be blinded from the world by the truth. 
Let me say that again. We can be blinded from the truth by the world, or we can be blinded from the world by the truth. And so what I mean by bl- asking the Lord for blindness is, I, ha- I feel like we could use a little bit more blindness in being blinded from the things of this world. Now, I'm not talking about we stick our head in the sand, we isolate ourselves, and we don't ever engage the world. But we are bombarded every day with a value system, with images, with ideology that is absolutely counter to the kingdom of heaven, to the message of Jesus. And I don't think it would be such a bad thing to be blinded from some of those things and protected from those values so that we can be sensitive and perceptive to the truth, to the things of God. Well, Bartimaeus, obviously, he's dealing with physical blindness. He's dealing with something that was very tangible. He's not ta- it's not the kind of blindness that I'm talking about. But, but we read about him on this corner in verse 46. Read that again with me. It says, then, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with the large crowd, were leaving the city of blind man Bartimaeus, was sitting on the roadside begging. So verse 46 describes an outcast. It describes Bartimaeus as this annoying beggar sitting on the side of the road, a desperate man, a man with nothing more to lose, but a man whose blindness had created in him a sensitivity and and being able to perceive some things. Talk about that in a moment. Blindness was significant in their culture because to be blind in their culture meant that you couldn't work. There, in, in that culture, at that time, work was physical labor. Pretty much anything that you could do was a physical job. So to have an impairment and a disability meant you're out. You can't work. You can't support yourself. You have no way to earn a wage and a living. They didn't have government disability assistance like we have today. If you couldn't work, you're on the outs. You're in trouble. And so we find a man with a physical impairment that's destitute, that's in need of resource, and has nothing. If you were blind, you were in that culture, you also oftentimes were rejected by your family. So you didn't have a support system to turn to. And you're rejected by your family because in that culture... To be blind or have an impairment like that was seen as a curse by God. So where do you go from there? You're an outcast. You have no chance at, at, at pulling yourself up in life. You have nowhere to turn. And so we meet a man who's sitting on this side of the street begging. But what's amazing to me is that in many ways this man who couldn't see, could see far better than everyone else. See, the Jews who were following Jesus, they were following him, they were hearing his words, and yet they weren't seeing the truth. They were waffling back and forth on, is this guy the Messiah? Or is he just like, he's got to have some spiritual power because he's doing these miracles. But who is this guy? And there's this running dialogue going on. They're trying to figure out who he is. And yet Bartimaeus, 
this blind beggar sitting on the corner, it says that when he cried out to Jesus, he called him son of David. Now, the reason that's significant is because the Jews would have understood from prophecy that it was prophesied that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David. So when he, he cries out to, uh, to Jesus, he's basically proclaiming to everyone, I believe that you are the Messiah. He had a spiritual insight, a, per, a, a sensitivity to spiritual things that maybe he heard the dialogue on that street corner as he begged. Maybe he heard people walking by talking about this guy named Jesus. I don't know what it was. But in his blindness, he saw clearer than everybody else. This guy is the Messiah. This is the guy who can set me free. The Jews didn't see that. But blind Bartimaeus, he did. Most of us here can see with our eyes just fine. And, uh, and we, do, um, we do view things through the world's perspective sometimes instead of Jesus' perspective. We, we function as the Jews sometimes and, and we, we get caught up in the surroundings, in the activity, in the fun things. And sometimes maybe it wouldn't be so bad to have a little blindness so that we develop some sensitivity. We're blind to the things of the world and sensitive to the things of God. You know, I, I was, this was illustrated to me a little bit when um, uh, years ago I was doing flight training and I was studying to get my private pilot's license and they, they make you get a physical when you do that, which is probably a good idea. They don't want to have a heart attack and crash into a neighborhood or something. So a physical is probably a good idea for pilots. And part of that physical is they do an eye exam. Also a good idea so that you can see objects coming at you. So during my eye exam, the, I, I'm having this dialogue with the, the doctor about the different things that he's testing me on and stuff. And he put me in front of a black screen. And uh, it was just a black screen on the wall. And there was a dot in the middle of it. I'm like five feet back from it. And he told me, focus on that dot. I want to test your peripheral vision. I'm like, okay, all right, no, no worries. So um, what he told me is, uh, well, I don't know if you guys know like your, how much peripheral vision you have. If, like if you're staring forward, your peripheral vision is like everything else that you're not focusing on, but you can see. So if you're not moving your head, like, okay, try this with me, okay? Don't move your head, but look to the left, all the way to the left. Look as far back as you can with your eyes. And then look all the way to the right with your eyes. Move your eyes to the right. That whole like range of vision is your peripheral vision. That's like everything that you can see. Well, what's crazy is that he told me when you're focusing on that dot, you can only focus on about 2% of your total vision. So we have this wide range of vision, but when you're looking at something, you're only seeing 2% of your vision. Now you have all this other stuff that's out there that you're kind of seeing, so something can get your attention, but you're only focused on 2%. So then, then he took this rod, it was like a five-foot rod or something, and it had another dot on the end, and he put, it towards, he put it right on the other dot. And he said, okay, I want you to keep staring forward, and he started moving that dot out. I'm like, okay, I'm following it, I'm following it. He's like, don't watch the dot, just look forward, 
but tell me if, you, if the dot disappears and you can't see it anymore. And so I'm looking, all of a sudden, the dot's gone. Well, he wasn't way back here, he's over here. And then he keeps moving it and moving it, and all of a sudden it reappears. I'm like, oh, great. I can't see. I'm not going to get my, I'm not going to pass this. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry. Everybody has blind spots in their vision. And what our brain does is in the peripheral vision, it fills in the gaps for us. It fills in the blind spots so that we never realize they're there. I was fascinated by that. So we only see the 2% and then we have these blind spots on the outside. What I was thinking about was, man, we have all these kind of blind spots in our lives sometimes. We get so focused in on something that all of the craziness around us, there's these blind spots coming at us. I would love to be focused on the truth so that my blind spot is the values of this world. My blind spot is the junk and the corrosion that I know it's around me. I know it's there, but it's not visible to me. I'm protected because I'm focused on the truth. I'm afraid that sometimes we live out the opposite of that. We focus on the stuff around us and God's truth is what's in the blind spot. He's trying to break through to us. He's always there, but we don't see it because we're focused in the wrong place. See, blind Bartimaeus, he was, yeah, it was a physical blindness, but he had this sensitivity to the things of the Spirit that he could identify, that's the truth. That's where I need to go after to get healing in my life. So as we encounter Jesus in our lives, it might not be such a bad thing to come to him, and when he says, what would you want from me? I would say, I want blindness. I want to be blind to the values of this world so that I can focus on your truth. I want your truth to be my focus. Well, let me give you another suggestion of, of something that might be good that when we encounter Jesus, we, uh, we would tell him we want this. So, so what do you want from Jesus? How about his boldness? Oh, man, Bartimaeus, this guy is bold. This guy is bold. He has the lowest standing in the culture, in the society. He's a nobody. And he's going to cry out to the Messiah? That's crazy. It's ridiculous. Look in Mark chapter 10, uh, now in verse 47. It says, When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I love the boldness of Bartimaeus to just shout it out. Even when people tell him to be quiet, shut up, be, you know, do your thing, but leave him alone. No, 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 no. He's going to have the boldness to, to speak up. I wonder, are, are you willing to take risks for Jesus? Are we willing to take those kind of risks? To have boldness? I, I'm a little bit of a risk taker. I love to do crazy things. I'm an adrenaline junkie. It's no problem for me to jump out of an airplane. No problem. That's, that's fun. But to take risks for Jesus, that's something different. That's a whole nother level. 
you know, it's, it's awesome. Last week we got to pray for Hope Denton and we sent her off. She's, she's in Africa doing missionary work. And Marilyn Hostetler, she, uh, she went also this week uh, to Uganda. And uh, in just a couple of weeks, our, our team going down to Haiti is going to be taken off. And these are some places that are not easy. These are some places where there's some risk involved. I think of somebody like a Hope who, who has never gone on the mission field before but has the boldness to say, no, I think that's what God's calling me to do. And so she engages that and does it and goes for it. Are you willing to take risks for, for Jesus? I have a friend, um, his name is Andy, and I graduated from Bible college with him. And Andy uh, developed, he has a genetic disease that deteriorates the optic nerve and so when he was 18 years old he began losing his eyesight by the time i met him in uh in college he uh, could barely see anything and now as an adult in his 30s all he can see is light and dark but he graduated from college and he took a couple different uh he was at a couple different places um with some pastoral positions and then he and his wife felt like the Lord was leading them to go to the mission field. And so they left what was comfortable, what was known, and they went to the heart of Bangkok, Thailand. Now, I've been to Bangkok, and I know what Bangkok is like. It is a crazy city. It's one of the largest cities in the world, and it's just a hub of activity. There's the, the bus, the city buses are crowded shoulder to shoulder, the the streets are crazy. There's all there's these things called tuk-tuks. They're like these three-wheeled scooters, and they just go wherever they want. And then there's guys on the on the little mopeds driving all around. And so here's Andy in the heart of Bangkok, and he would go and he would speak at churches, and he would travel by himself and navigate the city. Incredible. That is a physical risk that he's taking. Every time he took a step outside of their apartment, he's taking a physical risk in an unknown environment where he doesn't speak the language that's completely unfamiliar. That's taking a risk for Jesus. What kind of risks are we willing to take? We get so comfortable sometimes. At Bartimaeus, he, he shouts out, and, and that was no, that was no small thing. He, you might, you might think, well, okay, he's just calling out to Jesus. That's not a big, a big deal. It was a big deal. He took a social risk. The guy's already like the low man on the totem pole. But taking a social risk here, it even says in the verses that he was ridiculed for it. He was rebuked for calling out to Jesus. So here's a guy that already doesn't have many friends. You're not going to win too many friends like that. So he takes a social risk risk he also took an emotional risk you know uh, he calls out to jesus but if jesus really was the messiah like bartimaeus thought he was that means he knew everything about bartimaeus he knew his sins he knew his past failures he knew the condition of his heart right now he knew everything about him and so there's a vulnerability when we come to jesus we're willing to lay it all on the line but he was willing and he was bold to say, I need, to, I need this encounter. I need this. And so he risks. 
So he risks to encounter Jesus, but, but do we risk that? Are we willing to risk to encounter Jesus? In fact, when, when was the last time we risked anything to encounter Jesus? It's a good question. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to come here and we have, the, we have a great time together. There's, it's powerful when we worship together in community. But we can come to here to, here to church have a sing-along, listen to a talking head, go home, and not have to risk anything in our spiritual faith. But if we want to truly encounter Jesus, sometimes that means having a little bit of risk, taking some boldness. I was uh, talking last week to Greg Barshaw, and Greg is the, um, the missionary in Haiti that we're going to go work with. And he goes and does all kinds of trips there. He's back and forth between Simi Valley and Haiti all the time. And so I was talking to him about some of the things that we're going to face there. And he was telling me that this last time he came home, he came home with a brand new virus. Oh, joy. And so I'm like, okay, you help me describe this a little bit. I don't want this thing. So I'm like, right, was it like flu-like symptoms or, or what, what was that like? And he said, no, it was the most incredible pain in your joints your joints like seize up and they're and it's painful in your joints and i was like greg are you crazy like can't you take medicine ahead of the time before for this stuff and he go he went on and told me that he's had malaria a number of times and that every year like once a year he goes to the doctor to get dewormed <laughs> i'm like are we sure we want to go there and he said, you know what, if I took medicine for it, I would, I go so much, I would be on medicine all the time, and it's just not healthy for my body. So I would rather go do what God's called us to do there, and if I contract stuff, I'll deal with it on the back end. I'll take the medicine, I'll get over it, and, and I'll get, you know, I'll get better. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like, number one, okay, I'm going to get my prescriptions filled, <laughs> Number two, this is a guy that's willing to risk. This is a guy that has asked Jesus for the boldness to go into a nation where there's all kinds of creepy crawlies and stuff that can get to you because he's willing to risk for the sake of Jesus. Jesus, um, Jesus can give us the boldness to risk for him, to ask for audacious things and to cry out for him and encounter him in ways that are worth the risk. Number uh, three here, another suggestion for you. What do you want from Jesus? How about his belief? I love the simple but dynamic belief of Bartimaeus here. Look in verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, I love that. He's like, okay, not going to need this. Throwing his cloak aside, I'm going to see the Messiah. He jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. Now here's the question. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi or teacher, I want to see. I want to see. Now I, I love this because that sounds simple, but... He throws his cloak away and he just, boom, he goes to encounter Jesus and he very simply says, I want to see. I know that you can do that for me. 
Now, here's a guy who his whole life had been on a corner begging for resources, begging for money, scraping to get anything he could from people. And when he encounters Jesus, he doesn't say, could you give me some money so that I can make it through the day? He goes right to Jesus, and when Jesus says, what do you want from me? He says, I want a seed. I want the root problem to be fixed because I know you're the Messiah, and you're the only one that can do that. That is a level of belief and of faith to stand up and say, I know you can do this for me, Jesus. I know that you have the power to do that in my life. I don't know why, but it's so much easier (laughs) to be a skeptic than believe, isn't it? It's so much easier to doubt, to, to, to be a cynic, to distrust, to have suspicion. That comes so much easier to us than to, to, in faith, believe that God can miraculously intervene. In fact, I've seen people healed right in front of my eyes, instantly, miraculously, physically healed. And yet sometimes it's, it's still difficult for me to believe that God is going to act on my behalf. I have a friend who's a pastor in Sri Lanka, and he has literally prayed over people who are dead and seen them come to life. Seeing Jesus miraculously, instantly bring them back to life. And yet sometimes it's difficult for me to believe that God is going to bring healing in, in, in my life, in, in the things that I pray for. It's so, such a challenge sometimes. I know that God has the power to do great things, and yet still so often I need Jesus to help me to believe. I don't know why God chooses to heal sometimes and sometimes he doesn't, but I do know that he has the power to heal. So my prayer is, Lord Jesus, help me to believe. Maybe you would identify, like me, more with what happened in Mark chapter 9 than Mark chapter 10. We've been reading about Bartimaeus in chapter 10. But in chapter 9, Jesus has this encounter with a demon-possessed boy. Whoa. (laughs) And the father comes to him. And read this with me. In in, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 22, this is what the father says to Jesus. He says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything to help us, take pity. I think we pray prayers like that sometimes. Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if you want to intervene, Lord, if you would maybe possibly do something on my behalf, instead of boldly coming to him and saying, I know you have the power to do this. Here's what I want, the root of of my illness. And, And then continuing there in verse 23, Jesus says, if you can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. That's where I identify with, right? In fact, he says, that's interesting. He says, I do believe. There's belief over here. But then he says, help me in my unbelief. So he's believing, but there's still unbelief. In front of Jesus, don't we function that way? I mean, come on, really. We believe in the truth, we believe God has the power, and yet we still, we still have this unbelief sometimes that creeps in, this doubt, 
that God really, really wants the best for us, really cares about us, really wants to engage us. But Bartimaeus, uh, he just gets right to the, right straight to the point. I believe that you're the Messiah, so I want to see. That's what you can do for me. So my prayer is, Jesus, in our unbelief, help us believe. Help us to believe. Well, lastly, what, what would you want from Jesus? How about his blessing? That's a good thing, right? That sounds a lot better than blindness. We'll take his blessing. We say that all the time. We bless those around us. Somebody sneezes, we say, oh, bless you. Or uh, it's like a salutation. We, you know, somebody's leaving. Okay, so long. God bless. We say that all the time. But, but experiencing God's blessing is, is not routine. It's dynamic. It's incredible. Look at the result of this man, Bartimaeus, at, at, at his boldness and his belief. In verse 52, it says, Go, Jesus, uh, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This social outcast is not only healed, but he's commissioned by Jesus to go. Now, this is where our whole discussion on mission and our study in Matthew, that's where this all comes into play. Because God not only blesses him, but he blesses him to be a blessing, to go and to share that message with other people. He commissions him to go. And it's not just that the the physical healing was the blessing, and now you get to go share that, Bartimaeus. Part of the blessing was the fact that he gets to share. That is a blessing. God has given you a testimony. It may not be physical healing, but God has given you a testimony of how he has worked in your life. And part of the blessing of that is not only that he has transformed your life and given you eternal security in heaven with God, but part of that is the pure joy that we get to share that message. That we get to be on mission with Jesus. You have a powerful testimony. You have a powerful story. What a blessing that is. God heals, delivers, and sets free so that his story of redemption is our story. That's a blessing. Now, I was thinking as I was, as I was praying over this and preparing, I, was, I thought about Nick Vujicic. Does anybody know him? He has a ministry uh, that's, that's centered here locally. He, um, he was born with no arms and no legs, literally just a torso and a head. And you can imagine um, th- there would be all kinds of challenges that come with that. And he dealt with uh, depression as a teenager. But God, he, he tells the story now uh, in his ministry and his travels about, about how God pulled him out of that to realize that he had a testimony, that he had a story, and that God had more for him. And so now he's taken that at, at age 19, he began to share his testimony and he's started this ministry called Life Without Limbs where he travels across the country and around the world even sharing his testimony about how God has a purpose for your life. And he, he made this statement, I, I love this, on his website. It says, it says, if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, 
then he can certainly use any willing heart. I love that. Listen, as we encounter Jesus, part of the blessing that he wants to impart into us is not just the physical healing for ourselves, it's, it's the bigger perspective of what he has in store for us. And Bartimaeus, when he experienced the physical healing and he had a story of how God transformed him, right in the middle of that, Jesus says, go. He's literally saying, as you are being healed, go and take that message. And so what does Bartimaeus do? He becomes a disciple of Jesus. He leaves the street corner. He leaves the cloak that he'd thrown off. And he goes to follow Jesus to be on mission with him. It wasn't just the the sight that was the blessing. It was the, the going. It was the taking the message. That was part of the blessing. It's not wrong or it's not bad to ask for God's blessing. But sometimes I think maybe we have the wrong perspective or maybe just a limited perspective of what God's blessing might actually look like. In fact, I wonder if maybe God's blessing, instead of coming through healing, maybe it would come through suffering. Maybe it would come through something that's unpleasant. See, that's God's blessing also, because the story that comes out of that, of God's redemption, is a blessing to share. It's a blessing to be part of his mission. So I think we need to expand a little bit our thinking and really count our blessings that God has given us. So, so my prayer as, as we would make that kind of an encounter with Jesus would be, Jesus, as we go, let us experience your blessing so that we can share it with other people. Let that be our focus. This morning in your life, what do you want from Jesus? What do you want? It's a question that Bartimaeus was was faced with, and he knew exactly what he wanted. In boldness, in belief, in blessing, he wanted to experience Jesus. What do you want? What would you say? We talk about that Bartimaeus, um, it's kind of easy to think of Bartimaeus as maybe the hero, that he had this faith, he had this belief, he acted. But I don't think he was necessarily a hero. I think he was desperate. I think he was a guy who had nothing left. I think he was a guy that was just desperate for a change, desperate to encounter Jesus. And I wonder sometimes if maybe I'm not desperate enough. Maybe it's because we're a little too comfortable and we need to get a little bit more desperate. You might find yourself in a similar place this morning where you do, you feel desperate in a situation Maybe it's not physical blindness, but maybe, it's, maybe you feel desperate because you're so far in debt. Maybe you feel a desperateness because you can't break free from addiction. Or maybe you're stuck in a bad relationship and you feel trapped and there's a desperateness there. I want to invite you, as Bartimaeus did, to approach and encounter Jesus in desperation. That was his response. In fact, we all, we all ought to be there. We're all desperate for Jesus. We are all desperately in need of the touch that he has. On an ordinary day, 
a day of begging and scraping to get by, Jesus came to Bartimaeus' town, and a desperate Bartimaeus seized the opportunity to have an encounter with the Messiah. Are you content to be an observer? Are you enjoying the Jesus parade as it goes by? Or are you desperate to encounter the Messiah? He wants to encounter you and he would say to you, what do you want from me? What would you have me give to you? I'm inviting you into a relationship. I'm inviting you to have me intervene in your situation. Let's not be held back by blind spots or we don't even get the opportunity to see that. What would you say to Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you just constantly are after us. You're on our tail because you want to track us down and have an encounter with us. Lord, I pray that you'd protect us from those blind spots, that when we focus on the world, we, we don't see the truth. So God, help us to focus on you. Help us to believe. Help us to have the boldness to engage, even when it's uncomfortable and we're, we're vulnerable. Lord God, I pray that we would encounter you in such a way that it transforms us, that it brings healing and redemption. Lord, I know that that's what you desire. And Father, I pray that as we experience that, that Lord, we would share that. We would bless other people, that we would be on mission for you and represent you. Lord, I thank you that you give us that opportunity and I worship you for that. Help us to live with that mindset. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we looked in here, I pray God's blessing over you. Really, God's real blessing over you so that we can share that with other people. We get to now put a comma there and we get to go live it out. We get to go represent this to the world and we get to encounter Jesus. So let's do that this week. Let's encounter Jesus and let him transform us. Amen? Have a great week. God bless you.